ain't a podcast that's flyer. You are now tuned in to Direct Misfire. Benson, you and Selick, tell everyone to tune in. Let's roll the dice, let me show you what we do win. A fantasy war game, play it smart and you win. What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution? Hero, hero, giants and knights galore. It's an adventure, this is Kings of War. Let's go. Hello champs and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. I'm your host Benson and joining me today as always is Selick. Hey hey! As well as Hugh. Yo! As we look back at the year that was, bring you the last round of the Kings of Fight Club and have a chat to old mate Ronnie Renton. So pull up a seat, grab a drink and let's get into it. There's a lot going on this episode Benson. What a year gentlemen. (laughs) What a year. Woo! It started off so promising and then just thrown into the too hard basket. Yeah, indeed. That's it. It's been the uh, digital year of Kings of War. I feel like that's been its uh, primary attribute from a Kings of War perspective, Mm. Uh, which is the case, of course, for many things. But uh, yeah. I think it's done it quite well, actually. Like the digital side, like the hobby element, I guess, has really fallen away in the the drive. Um, and we'll sort of talk to Ronnie about it later on, but the, mm. that drive to paint doesn't really exist on the digital formats. But um, I think it's picked it up and filled the gap and got a lot of people, like thousands of people through mm. uh, 2020, um, that digital element. Mm. Different personality styles as well. Some people have painted more mm. because they're like, well, I'm sitting at home, I'm locked down in many cases, I've got nothing to do, might as well paint me some models. And other people are like, well... There's no, you know, game on tabletop in sight. I've got no tournament deadline, so I'm just totally demotivated to paint. Unsurprisingly to anyone, probably I fall in the latter of those two camps, but full respect for those who fall in the former. Mm. That's right. Spoon has uh, smashed out a a fair bit of painting over 2020. He's been painting a ton, yep. Very true, yeah. He's painted up um, about two 6th edition armies worth of stuff, which is pretty impressive. To a good standard as well. Yeah. Okay, so how about we lean back in our chairs and stare wistfully into the distance as we recall the good and the bad times of 2020. So where did it begin for us last year? I think it was the Clash of Kings 2020 um, tournament review. That's right. Mm -hmm. So the the biggest thing and the best thing for me is that uh, I wasn't actually there. I was away overseas in in, uh, Indonesia, I think I was at the time drinking many beers on a beach. So I'm going to hand over to you guys. Well, you also missed out that uh, Ronnie made his way down and we got some happy snaps. Yeah, that was good times. He's uh, signed my Kings of War book and everything. Although he doesn't know most of the units in it, if this episode's got anything to go on. Just a bit of foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) And we also had uh, a couple of guests on that cast. We had uh, other tournament attendees, Andrew and Vivian. Indeed, indeed. Uh, those two up-and-comers, as it were, who have played far more Kings of War this year than I have on account really? of, you know, being more into the digital side of things, uh, as have you two as well. So those guys will be, um, yeah, firing in 2021, I expect, when we get back on the tabletop a bit more, which is the expectation for now, at least, mm. in Melbourne, which is obviously not the same everywhere else in the world, but for now, at least, it looks like we're going to get some tournament scene in the near future and i think the the favorite part of that particular episode was the um because we kind of cut it in two like the before and i think it might have been midway or after the uh the bet that viv made that he i think this is his first clash of kings that he's attended and that he would uh, place in the top 10 did he say i can't remember 
or the top particular percentage. <laughs> mm, mm. Yep, didn't work out, lo and behold. And he was tracking for the first day. <laughs> he won uh, his games the first day. He was confident. He's never short of confidence, that lad. He's looking for a new bet this year, and um, to be honest, I'm not as confident as I was last year. He's had a lot of uh, experience in the meantime, and well, I don't want to say a lot. He hasn't, it's not like he's played hundreds of games or anything, but he's he's played a few, and it doesn't take much for Viv to sort of pick up a new game and get on the ball, and he's particularly mm. good at writing like the most broken lists anyone can come up with. He can take a relatively... He'd be a great playtester, actually, because he just he tries to takes you know, whatever he sees as just the most bent thing. Uh, known to man and combines it in such a way that it works uh, for him, for his play style in any case. So I think he'll actually be a formidable contender in um, this year's Clash of Kings, in 2021 Clash of Kings, uh, on account of those reasons really. So I've got to make a bet with him again um, and I want to win. (laughs) But But also factor in, he's not taking the Abyssal Dwarfs this time. Yes, that's true. He's taking Ogres, which will probably take him down a notch. Um, he would take his own Basileia if they'd be ready in time, but I don't think they will be. So nah, nah. with Ogres, that gives me a bit of an edge. But to be honest, I'm not even that confident that I can finish ahead of him with Ogres because I'm just so damn rusty, <laughs> man. <laughs> I don't know. Your, your potential list looks like it might uh, be a winner, but we'll see how we go. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so after that, we went and recorded an episode about the Australian ranking changes and our thoughts on 3rd edition, because it was relatively new at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the ranking changes at all, and I haven't gone back to listen to it. It probably doesn't matter now with uh, the whole lockdown and COVID and whatnot. (laughs) No, that's it. They were just, I think it was just all about how to get into the Masters Right. Um, was was most of the changes there. Obviously, our thoughts on third after we'd had a little bit more of a look at it um, was one of the massive things that happened in, in 2020. Obviously, getting into third edition, pretty exciting stuff. And are we still high on third? Because I thought we were pretty optimistic. Yeah. Um, well, mm. I love third edition. I think it, they streamlined the rules and there was a couple of ones that we were a bit dubious about. Mm. Um, but I think it came up trumps after we've played it, and we have played it a fair bit online. Mm. Um, and I think it is, it's a pretty clean sort of data, data set. There I am. Uh, pretty clean <laughs> sort of game set and rule set. Um, so I don't think there's too many complaints. Obviously, there's still the, the snake eyes situation, but even that, that mm-hmm. they've tried to ease the pain a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty high on it as well. I mean, they, other than snake eyes, I think they, Exactly as you said. So like they just tuned up those little bits, which is what we said in that episode. And I think that, yeah, that, that opinion more or less stands after all this time. Although I, I have to say again, like I've played, because I'm not really into online Kings of War too much. I particularly don't enjoy UB that much just for aesthetic reasons. Prefer tabletop simulator? Yeah, I prefer tabletop simulator, but I prefer tabletop far more. Yeah. Over course. and above that. But I do think maybe 2021 is the year of tabletop simulator if... You know, all over the world, we've still got all kinds of issues with COVID, which will certainly be the case. And if we can, you know, combine that with maybe a developer who's particularly keen to get stuck into some of the tabletop simulator side of things, I think that'd be lovely. I'd probably play it a bit more on that. But of course, I'll always preference tabletop. And, you know, I like getting my rats and my actual army on there instead of all these sort of little pizza box squares in the case of UB or in the case of (laughs) tabletop simulator, it might be some other random models that I've sort of just renamed or what have you. It's not quite, yeah. doesn't have the quite the same as je ne sais quoi for me. And, and for me, this is like a, an event game. I think it works so well for events. I think that the community we have here in Melbourne is so cool that that's what really draws me in. 
more so mm. than competitively playing UB online. That's just personal preference. Mm. Yeah. So after we went after we went through all that uh, third thoughts and Australian ranking changes, COVID really hit in Australia. Yep. Um, so we had um, some massive sort of waves of infections over here, and it really shut down our hobby pretty quickly. Um, and as we do in the the sort of hobby world, we adapted, and I guess that's when we recorded our COVID entertainment episode. Mm. Yeah, I think we could follow this up maybe halfway through mm. next year or the year after, whenever whenever it sort of seems appropriate. A uh, playing Kings of War from home version two or something, you know, <laughs> part two. Like <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, that's continuing to progress. People are adding more events, and hopefully, people are developing those systems more. And I'd mm. love to see where that goes in the future. That's right. So we just sort of had a bit of a chat around exactly what Australia was doing during that lockdown. So we were trying a, a few new things. And I think that's a really good segue into the next sort of episode. We didn't want to leave you guys hanging too long. So we recorded the Digital Battles episode. And I think that's where we did have a bit of a discussion about Universal Battle 2, as well as uh, the one that Hugh prefers. What was that one called, Hugh? Tabletop Simulator, yeah. And- and I think you've skipped the most important episode there, Sally. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Ratkin Army Review, nah. everyone's favourite episode. One of two Army Reviews for the year. Yep, easily our highest uh, listened episode. <laughs> I just made that up. I haven't bothered to look at this. You episode. haven't checked? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Our Army Reviews do quite well in terms of listenership. Well, I should bloody hope so. We put a lot of work into them. Yeah, people like the analysis, I guess. And yeah, it, it is a lot more work to do those episodes in many cases, particularly from the editing kind of perspective. But hey, uh, you know, the people got what they wanted. You know, it was the highest voted army. And I think Mantic <laughs> listened because they started making some sweet, sweet models. They sure did. Did you end up posting out that assassin model? No, no one uh, no one sent us the address for the person. The, the person that voted first for Ratkin was meant to send through our address and they never did. Ah, right, okay. That's not a lie. <laughs> I'm still willing to do it if uh, if they'd like to get in contact with the show, if for some reason they uh, they remember doing that. But yeah, that did fall a bit flat, the promised assassin. Maybe they just didn't want an assassin. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah, they're not great. Another thing with this one, though, is Selick, you uh, stepped up and started to increase the YouTube presence with some pretty schmick looking um visuals to go along with the podcast yeah that's right so ratkin that that army review was our first relaunch i guess after spoon sort of left the youtube channel Mm. we'd sort of left it dormant for i think about two years or so so that was the first episode that i sort of got in and learned a few covid tricks my own to get uh, the youtube channel back up and running Mm. yeah a lot of positive feedback about that from listeners and viewers i suppose um Mm. so well done for that selic man that just looks so awesome Yes, that was uh, bloody brilliant, that was. Okay, we're about halfway through the year already, and that's, it's, I don't know why it had taken so long, but the first round of the Kings of Fight Club was released. Yeah, we recorded that quite a while before then, I seem to recall. But people who listen to the episode can probably find out why, like, where does three gay, three, three gays <laughs> nearly <laughs> <laughs> three <laughs> came out wrong. Three guys, you know, working out of our, you know, the Australian equivalents of the basement, just sort of beavering away on a uh, on a computer and whatever else. We don't have all kinds of time, money, or or anything like that to put into this kind of thing. And the uh, editing work done on those those Kings of Fight Club, you know, that's really something else. You turned us just blubbering into the microphone in three of us, all of us a bit sort of embarrassed and stuff, I think, with that content. Yep. But then turn it into something quite fun to listen to and with 
all the crowd effects and everything that was uh, that was really cool so that's a big win on Benson's part you're exactly right uh, Hugh I think we spoke many many times over the years since doing that sort of first round one about how awkward it is to record and it was something that was very new to us it was more mm. acting rather yeah. than podcast recording and talking which we're not very good at just 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 quietly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was definitely uh, an experience let's just say that and I think that's why it took so long for it to come out because of COVID and because of me working as the sole IT guy in a medical clinic and then all the clinicians and staff just transferring to working from home and trying to get that working and maintaining all that. It just didn't leave any time at all for me to do much else. Mm-hmm. And they're not long episodes, but the amount of stuff that I add into it to try and make it sound good... <laughs> Yeah, it uh, needs yeah, a lot it takes of work. A long time. <laughs> mm. You got to do a lot of polishing to get that to sort of, you know, uh, into a reasonable state. <laughs> but <laughs> but so, if, if listeners like that kind of episode or even so. alternative kinds of episodes, we'd love to get a bit more feedback if anyone writes in via the various channels on Facebook or uh, Twitch, I guess, Selick, or Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Or yeah, Twitter, Twitter or the email. Yep. You're so on top of the socials, aren't you? I'm so <laughs> up with the socials. Uh, and they let us know, like, do you like the army reviews more? Do you like the variety of different things? Do you like mm. this kind of hacked together different episode like today? Hopefully that's fun. Or if for some reason you really like Kings of Fight Club, then get back to us and, uh, you know, Selick and Benson will be pleased to do another one of those soon. We'll just get Benson to do the rest of yeah. them, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, it might be a bit out of order because we're not talking about it yet, but what we'll do is, for those who haven't listened to the Kings of Fight Club or whatever it is, now you're going to experience it. We'll cut to the third round of the Kings of Fight Club tournament. And then uh, when we come back, we'll continue on with our scheduled viewing or listening. Boom. <laughs> Circle Arena. Sixteen deadly opponents. But for fifteen, it will be their last fight. Strength. Agility. Armor. All put to the test to be the first king of Kings of Fight Club. Welcome back, champions, to round three of the Kings of Fight Club Championship Series. With me, as always, is co-host Selick. Hey, guys. And arena specialist Hugh. Howdy. As we observe these Clash of the Titans between four fantastic heroes. Mm. All right, gentlemen, round three. First in the lineup, we have Dissel Borfman facing off against Firebrand. What are the odds of... Firebrand's chances. Dissel has been doing exceedingly well in his previous rounds. Indeed. Yeah, I can't help but think that uh, Firebrand is going to be coming out here. He's going to be swinging, but Dissel Borfman has just been exceptional on those regen rolls. Indeed. It seems like Dissel Borfman's virtually invulnerable to regular mortal blows, but I don't think he's copped the uh, the flaming lead that is Firebrand ever before, and I, uh, I I don't think he's up to it, to be honest with you, Benson. Yes, Firebrand's pistols have been on target pretty much every fight, uh, and she's just been able to take a punch like no other else can, except for maybe Dissel Borfman. The regenerative powers of the half-breeds has just been too strong for the other competitors. Definitely going to be a battle of the fittest here today. 
That's right. Now, before we get into the match, the arena has been mixed up once more. We have a central platform surrounded by pillars and it looks like there's a few barbed wire fences sitting about trying to hinder the approach of the champions here. I can see it actually going to be uh, helping some of the ranged attacks here. You'll be able to hide behind them a little bit more than previously. So I think this is going to work for uh, for everyone here. There's some swampy ground around the dais there, so you can uh, either use that raised position to your advantage or you can sneak off into the swamp and try to bog your opponents down. So there's some strategic options here for the combatants today. It's going to be very interesting indeed. So it looks like they're lining up, ready to go. And away they go, the gates opening up. Firebrand gets the initiative and runs behind one of the pillars. Oh, the crowd's going wild. Looks like uh, a bunch of the fans are dressed up in pirate outfits here, Benson. They seem to be uh, on the lizard's side here today. Who could argue? Much support for Firebrand. She's looking good. She's brandishing those pistols in, with consummate style there, and that cutlass looks like it has a mean edge indeed as well. Well, the cutlass is going to have to wait because uh, it's hidden right behind the statue there. So uh, I'm not sure how Dissel's going to get to her. Looks like he's just moving up to gain sight advantage on top of that, that platform. Let's see what happens here. Oh, she's ducked out from behind the statue now and seems to be using barricade as cover. Mm. Very wise and intelligent fighting stuff from Firebrand. She's, <laughs> she's blazing away with her pistols. Wow. Oh. Ooh, landed a couple there. That's got to hurt. Nothing too serious. Ooh, Dissel looks shocked, Benson. He was jumping up, up onto the dais and yelling his challenges, but now he's so full of holes, he looks like a dwarven sieve, and he looks concerned. It seems like he does not like the taste of lead. I think he was surprised by the power of those pistols. Oh, it looks like one went straight through the hoof. Oof. Indeed. In fact, he's retreated slightly now back behind the dais again and seems to be gritting his teeth as these bullets slowly force their way and plink down onto the ground out of his skin as the holes close over and Dissel Borfman proves once again that abyssal dwarves sure are tough. It's almost unfair. Yeah, some would say it is. <laughs> <laughs> looks like she's taking advantage of it though and looks like Dissel is having none of that. He charges in. Yep, Firebrand's all over this trying to capitalize on the uh, retreat, I guess, of Abyssal Borfman. So he's going to lay into a, another couple of shots here. Oh yes, and some of them have gone wide but a few seem to be making their mark but they just seem to be making Dissel more angry. Now, we've seen him do this before, and sure enough, he's frothing at the mouth, and he's built up some steam and charged back onto that ooh, platform ooh. right into her, and he's swinging his axe wildly. Such strength. It doesn't look like it's affecting Firebrand at all. She's just too stoic. Such deft swordsmanship here. Selleck, can you believe? Parry, repost, parry, repost. Dissel seems to be too angry. He can't seem to quite land a blow here. I haven't seen fights like this since Blackbeard in 07. <laughs> Indeed. And now Dissel seems to be slowing. She's gradually cutting chunks out of him that can't seem to heal quite quickly enough. Oh, and he's Ooh. down on two knees. This is looking rough. What's happening here? Normally his uh, regenerative powers would have taken effect. Do you think this could be some sort of lizard poison? Is it the flames? I don't know, but I, I suspect it's just her incredible speed here as Firebrand just chops that flaming cutlass back and forth with uh, such grace and power. What a buckler of swashes. Fantastic. Amazing to watch. Well, it's it's looking like it's coming in for the killing blow here because uh, Dissel Borkman's just not moving quite as, as much as it used to. It. This has got glue factory lit written all over it. Indeed, and here comes the coup de grace. Oh, the head flies and it's rolling wow. in the sand. 
I don't think even he's going to grow that one back. Just have to ask here, do you think that's the kill of the event? It was certainly an upset. I didn't think she'd be able to take Dissel so deftly. Mm. Neither did I. I mean, she has fought plenty of battles atop a ship, I'm sure, but I didn't expect her to deal with a cavalry charge so daringly, but she's done it with style, and look at her. She seems to become a crowd favourite here as she's firing that pistol into the air and brandishing her cutlass. What a stylish victor we have. What a fantastic show person. Mm. <laughs> Not afraid of the spotlight. Indeed. Okay, so that is round one of round three. Down, Firebrand takes the victory. Well, that leaves only three contestants. Is it two contestants? There's two contestants remaining then, Benson. Three if you count uh, Firebrand, of course. So the other semi-final that we're going to come over to now here on Cablevision or whatever it is that we're using. Are you guys excited for this one? I sure am. I, I must say that Sister Sledge has been the underdog the whole event. Every time, even from the first round that we came in, we thought that Sister Sledge was just going to pop in and pop straight out of the event. But she has just kept on sledging forward. Indeed, too true, Selick. But Kane is a devilish character. I'm not sure what he's going to have in, in store for Sister Sledge here. Mm. Yes, his armor is thick, and he seems to uh, glance most blows off of him without any serious damage. But Sister Sledge is brandishing a mean-looking Morningstar here, and as we've seen before, her determination is nothing to scoff at. Perhaps her faith will save her once again. I can't help but think it's going to be who's going to get on that hill first. Oh, sure enough, Kane has got on that hill first. He's run up there without any hesitation whatsoever. He's jeering Sister Sledge. Seems to be daring her to charge him here. Mm, classic. Yeah, she seems quite hesitant. But no, she's taken up a war cry, chanting battle hymns as she charges in and takes one of the biggest swings with the Morningstar I've seen and wow. right on the dome. What a slapper. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad she can fight because she certainly can't sing. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but she seems to have knocked Kane's head almost off to a serious angle here. It looks like... Oh, no. Is that is that laughter I hear, Benson? I can't, can't tell. Oh, that is sick. Oh, and his head's come back onto his shoulders Ooh. straight. It's no longer at that grisly angle. And he seems to be booming with laughter. This man is invulnerable. And he started to swing his weapon back at her, the big axe that he is known so well for. And she's shocked, I can tell. She's clearly on the back foot now. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Assassins hear her praying to her gods. Trying to summon the strength to withstand these blows. I don't think it's working. No, nope, there's only so much prayer and so much defense that's going to stop this. So Kane is just ruthless here. Indeed, he, he's landing a lot of smaller blows. Seems to be gradually wearing her down. And she can't find the strength to swing that Morningstar back just yet. She's on the constant retreat back into the swamp now. Hoping perhaps that that will slow him down long enough for her to catch her breath but he is coming forward like a juggernaut. She's doing well to defend against these hits, but will it be enough? No, I don't think so. It certainly doesn't look like it for now, but then, wait, she's down on one knee. Ooh. Kane is laughing, ready to deliver that final blow, still with a booming laughter. But what's this? Some holy light is shining down on the sky. Seems to be lighting her brow and her eyes are glowing now. Her credible holy mace is also glowing and she's striking back. Oh. Again, again. All of a sudden she has Kane on the back foot. Surely What an not. unexpected turn of events. Amazing. She's actually landing some dents in his armor as well, Sally. Well, the, some of the pious activity that's happening here is really stopping some of Kane's regeneration abilities. Gee, just when we thought, oh, oh he's caught her wrist which she was holding that Morningstar with. 
She seems to have immobilized her here. She's powerless to continue this assault as the light shines brightly from her eyes. This doesn't look good. Things are not looking good for a uh, sister here with Adamace. She almost had him there for a second, but then oh, with his <laughs> other hand, Chop comes down his axe, and there goes her arm. Me. It's not Ooh. looking pretty. Oh, she's screaming, and on the backswing, the light seems to have left her now completely as... Oh, she's not getting up from that. She goes down like a sack of potatoes. Poor sister Sledge. Well, this is not any potatoes that I would ever eat, but, uh, oh, this has been a bloody disgrace here. A, a real exhibition by Kane. Mm. Indeed. I mean, it, she did make him stop laughing. You've got to give her that. And the holy power seemed to rally almost enough there for a moment. But as he uh, unfurls his axe and continues to look around the crowd disdainfully, jeering at them now, he seems to be back on his feet and uh, having no trouble finishing that fight in his favour. That is one sick son of a bitch. What a devastating blow to his sister. Hopefully the priests can maybe prayer that arm back on. I strongly doubt it, Benson, as she's looking like she's screaming in terror now. I don't blame her. She finally seems to have met her match here. Let's just hope she doesn't um, renounce her gods and turn into a temptress. Well, whatever happens, as long as she stops singing, I'm going to be a happy man. <laughs> yes, that is too true, Selick. Okay, well that was a very quick semi-final here. Firebrand and Kane going into the final round. It's going to be a pretty even match up there. Yeah, it's hard to draw between these two. I mean, up until now, Kane has looked completely unblemished from his opponents for the most part. But Sister Sledge did put a few dents in his armor there at the end, seemed to take some of the bluster out of his step. And I know that Firebrand's lead is pretty good for penetrating armor, so perhaps she's enough to meet his match here. Kane has been surprisingly solid. Uh, He just continues to move forward, takes the hits, dishes enough back, and uh, takes victory in these last three rounds. So, against Firebrand, that will be a difficult matchup because Firebrand has been running hot. Indeed, the grand final, we have a flaming cutlass, presumably versus a deadly demonic axe, and uh, some pretty bad attitudes from both competitors here, but I think it's fair to say Firebrand has the crowd on their side because Kane doesn't seem to have a lot of fans in the crowd, but sometimes that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's all about who's got the stronger sword arm here, Benson. That is very much a correct statement. But we won't find out what's going to go down until the finals. So yes, you can stay tuned, viewers, for the grand final in the Kings of Fight Club. The very exciting match between Firebrand and Kane next week. Who's your favourite? Get your bets in now. We'll see you then. It's going to be a banger. See you later, guys. Stay tuned for more carnage in... Kings of Fight Club. And we're back. What did we think about that, people? Yeah, it happened. Round three. That was a pretty, uh, a couple of upsets. It was. Absolutely. So we're up to the finals now. There's only one more of those guys before the, the whole thing's wrapped up, right? We have our champion crowned. Yeah. That's right. So do you think we should make them wait for the final round, Benson? Nah, I think nah. they'll forget about it pretty quickly otherwise. So let's. how about we just jump into the finals right now? All right, sounds good. One circle arena. Sixteen deadly opponents. But for fifteen, 
It will be their last fight. Strength. Agility. Armor. All put to the test to be the first king of Kings of Fight Club. Welcome back one and all to the final round of Kings of Fight Club. Today we have Firebrand facing off Kane, but before we get to that, joining me as always is co-host Selick. Hey there everyone! And arena specialist Hugh. It's the grand final, Benson and Selick. Oh my god, I am more excited than a goblin with a fresh powder keg of black powder. I am P-U-M-P! I've been down to my goblin bookie and I have dropped... 10 gold pieces on Firebrand to just take this out, clean sweep. Only 10? I am not getting paid as much as you are, Benson. Well, that's true. <laughs> Maybe next year. Alright, let's see some magic. Kane versus Firebrand. We discussed this in round 3. What are our chances for Kane to see a victory here against the amazing Firebrand, who's just been so solid throughout the entire tournament? I think on paper they're actually a, a bit lopsided, so Firebrand is naturally just a, an innate better fighter than Kane. However, when you give Kane some of these uh, magic items and the artifacts that have come, come out of that little stationary cupboard they've got over there, uh, mm -hmm. that's when it really starts to uh, even out. Indeed, I wonder if that's going to be enough to get the edge over Firebrand here, because she has time and again proved to be a overwhelmingly powerful combatant. And if she's as good with the pistols as she was against Dissel Borfman, I don't like Kane's chances. That armor that's served him so well up until now may not count for much against her flaming cutlass either. That's right. Either way, it's going to be an exciting final. So let's check down into the arena. It looks like we're in the same venue, just to make sure that the competitors are on an even playing field. Nothing surprising coming out from the ground here. Alright, looks like Kane and Firebrand have lined up within their pens. And the gates have been raised. Off we go, the final round of Kings of Fight Club. Oh, and as I see Kane striding out onto the sand there, lads, he's carrying what looks like a dripping evil blade of darkness rather than his usual axe. Mm. Can we zoom in on that? That looks deadly indeed. Looks like... Yes, that is the Mournful Blade, the very feared Mournful Blade. This is going to allow Kane to strike with such ferocity, I don't know if Firebrand's going to hold up. Well, that, that explains why the blade looks as though it's crying, but I wonder if it can make a lizard cry. <laughs> tears of flame, maybe. We'll see. Well, I've heard of crocodile tears, so uh, let's see how this goes. Firebrand's looking like she's trying to take a bead on, uh, on old Kane here, as you would expect, but he has ducked behind the dais. What's this? He suddenly, in the 11th hour, decided to use a bit of strategy. That's very unlike him. He's usually got that uh, tactic of moving forward and then hitting. It looks like he's uh, holding off a bit here. Well, after what happened to Dissel Bortman last week, uh, this does not surprise me at all. Well, it looks like Firebrand is not one to take no for an answer as she leaps up onto the dais to get a decent line of sight here on Kane and fires off a few of her Ooh. trademark shots. Wow. Not hitting as often as she does normally. Only making a couple of glancing blows here. But there's been a severe error here to get up on that platform. It's actually put uh, Kane into charge range. And he's charging in. Ooh. He's leapt onto the dais, ready to fight in combat. And Firebrand seems to be taken a little bit on the back foot there. Has to put nothing more than a few scratches on Kane on the way in this time. 
but she does draw in her flaming cutlass and looks like it's time for some swordsmanship. Mano a lizardo. Can you see there, Selic? Looks like those bullet holes that Firebrand made are just already healing back up. Oh my, this is even worse than Disselborfman. This is ridiculous. Indeed, and her flaming cutlass, while it is finding its mark somewhat more often than this mournful blade, despite the potency of that weapon, it seems that Kane is a little off balance given that he's used to his usual axe. But the flaming cutlass is, unlike against Bissell Dwarfman, seems to be healing. Kane's armor is proof against such blows. Wow, this is amazing. I didn't think we'd be seeing such a turnaround here. Any strike that Firebrand makes just keeps getting healed back up by that regenerative ability. And I must say, Firebrand is just connecting and wounding everything here. It is just not enough to take Kane out. She seems like she's in quite a tizzy. She just keeps landing those hits. And Kane just keeps soaking them up. For the first time, she looks a little bit worried here, gentlemen. In every other fight, she seems to have barely taken a scratch. But this time, her opponent just keeps on regenerating. And his blows are getting more and more deep as the lizard woman is slowed by her fatigue. Looks like Kane is winning the war of attrition here. Firebrand just can't deal with that uh, regeneration. Oh, and the crowd are outraged. They're not very pleased about this situation. The booze. The booze from the crowd. Ooh, it seems like they're really negging on Kane but he's, it just seems to make him grow in confidence. Our cameraman has actually found one smiling person. Oh, 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 that appears to be my goblin bookie, though. I thought we didn't allow those goblins in here anymore. What have I... All right, I'm going to have to have a word with security. It's looking like quite the upset. Firebrand is starting to slow while Kane is ramping up. Indeed, this looks like it's all over by the shouting now, and sure enough... Firebrand is fatigued at the point is Oh, her cutlass! Her cutlass has been cut in half! Her trademark weapon! She seems to be looking at it dumbfounded! The mournful oh. blade too strong! Kane just smiling and laughing! This is this guy is a monster! Maybe he heard about the bet that you placed against him. Oh, I hope not. One more thrust and oh, it's over! As she stares dumbfounded at her destroyed weapon, she can't hold back the blow that Kane has just delivered and it's slashed right across her throat as she slowly slumps to the ground. Those priests rush in to make sure that she doesn't pass out and drag her off. I think we might have our first Kings of Fight Club champion. Indeed, Kane once again jeering at the crowd, shouting he has thrown his weapon to the ground. It is now sticking out of the sand. Is that the finger? Is he giving the... What? That gesticulation. Ooh. I don't know if we can broadcast that. Oh my. Nope. Let's uh, turn to the crowd just to see their happy, well... Maybe not so happy faces. The boos are quite overwhelming here. Hang on, hang on. What? What is that? What's this? The the lights the lights are dimming. What's going on here? Look look over there, over there by the tree. Looks like the ground's opening up. What's going on here? Wow, the sand seems to be falling into some sort of entrapment below the stadium here, as gradually a podium is rising out of the sand. I didn't know we were actually providing medals. What is that? Who's that? Who is that? It's him. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh. The crowd have recognized him, the champion of old, the previous champion of multiple fight clubs. I thought this guy would sign it. It's the hero of heroes. Hero. The most heroic human in all of Penathor, as far as we know, and the crowd are chanting his name. Listen to that crowd. That is booming. I think Hero's trying to say something. I can't quite make out what he's saying, though. Can we get him a microphone? What is going on here? Looks like he's issuing a challenge to Kane. Yes, I'll just double-check what's going on down here. All right, it looks like Kane isn't going to be able to claim victory 
of the tournament just yet. He has one more opponent to get through. And Hero looks to be positively gleaming with magic items. I have never seen a human wearing so much bling, Benson. I know, such resplendence. Every inch of him seems to be covered in some sort of glowing magical artifact. Although he doesn't seem to be holding a weapon. Oh, he's outstretching his arm. And that's it. That's the Mournful Blade attracted to his hand. The Mournful Blade wobbles in the sand and then shoots out of the ground. Oh, Flying straight into his hand. He's caught it. And he's brandishing the weapon now against Kane. It seems like it's found its true owner. Kane empty-handed. What's going on here? Outrageous. Kane doesn't look too worried. In fact, now he's just beating his chest with his gauntlet saying... Bring it on, little manling, or something to that effect. I don't know what he said, but it has worked. Hero has jumped off that raised platform and rushes in to attack Kane. Well, I think you've been a little bit polite there, Benson. That was hardly a jump. He got about a foot off that platform, and he has rushed in here. It's just super slow. It looks like he's uh, old bones or uh, starting to labor on him. Well, he is quite the veteran. Perhaps he's being weighed down by the excessive amount of magic items that he is bedecked with. I see dazzling scrolls, enchanted armor. There's some potions there. I'm surprised he can hold his head up. That helmet is so potent. And factor in that mournful blade that's almost as tall as he is. And he's come in swinging. And although you can see that he clearly has training, he seems to be hitting with incredible alacrity. But as per usual, it's bouncing off Kane like it's... Just not doing any harm at all. Well, Kane is uh, not even attempting to dodge some of these blows. Oh, the left hook. My God, that almost knocked his head off his shoulders. What a punch. (laughs) He looks dazed, but he keeps swinging. He's not even looking the right way anymore. I think this is his career on the line. Oh, the elbow to the guts. Oh, and another one to the kneecap. And the side of the head and the ribs. Oh my god, Kane is just working him like a walrus. Stop it, Kane. Stop oh, this it. Is, this is just awful. He's uh, putting his fingers up to his mouth to make him smile. This is disgusting. And once again, the injuries that Hero is inflicting onto Kane, just, they're just healing back up. What can a man with a whole lot of magic items do even against such reckless hate? Or regeneration. Or such reckless regeneration. Not much going by what we're witnessing here. Oh, the left and the right and the oh, uppercut. Sh- Oof. And oh, wow. Hero comes off the ground. Jeez, I could almost see that in slow motion as his teeth flew across the podium and he has landed flat on his back in the sand. Let's watch that in super slow-mo. Ooh. Oh God, I don't know if I can look, Sally. This is painful. As we all know, Hero does have a family of nine. Hopefully he can get back up to this because he's got a lot of mouths to feed. (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't count on it, Benson. As we can see, Kane is stomping over and he's planted his foot on Hero's chest, chanting, raising his his arms in the air. The crowd are booing. No, Kane. No. Surely he's not going to do it. He did it. It, It's sad to see. Oh, Hero's ribcage is no more. The armor looks undented. He's deflating like a water balloon underneath all that magical goodness. Looks like the adjudicator's rushing in to stop the death of Hero. I see Kane trying to say something. I think that that tops it off. That seals the deal. Kane is our very first Kings of Fight Club champion for this year. And sounds like if you want to get involved again next time in the Kings of Fight Club, 
I suggest you invest in the abyss. It seems to be the place to put those gold coins, if you know what I'm saying. That's right. And before we go any further, Benson, I'm going to need to borrow 10 gold pieces. Uh, yeah, I'll see if I can spot you later. I'm going to really need it. <laughs> Let's get in touch with the organizers and see if we can ban regeneration next year. So while the King of Fight Club might be over for another year, stay tuned as there will be other specials coming up. We have monsters facing off monsters, titans against titans, and the best of the best facing off against each other. More on that next year. Until then, stay safe and we'll catch you on the flip side. Keep training, fighters. Thanks, folks. Stay tuned for more carnage in Kings of Fight Club. And there you have it. Kings of Fight Club is done for the year. (laughs) That's right. We have a champion. Thank the goodness. (laughs) I was really disappointed with Hero being Mm. such a wet Mm. noodle. Yeah, we (laughs) juiced him up with a lot of magic items. Like, a lot of magic items. He had virtually every magic item that a character can have from the book that makes them in any way better as an individual and he still just sucked it's whiffed everything yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i mean he should have done all right but he yeah he he just not that heroic yeah i mean he had enough upgrades to him that he ended up he should have should have been in a decent spot but Mm. you're right yeah no he just rolled badly just to just just undermine our our attempt at hype and so what do you think of kane being the best hero in kings of kings of war really because that's what this is determining, which is the best hero. <laughs> the best hero, yeah. Uh, I was flabbergasted, to be honest. He he didn't seem as strong as some other contenders at first. Mm. Mm. And to be fair, I think it's worth mentioning a couple of things that, about this format that he benefited from significantly. One was that Fury is really good mm-hmm. because when you're fighting one-on-one, what you often find, especially for the higher nerve characters, you get a couple of wounds here, a couple of wounds there, or a bit of damage here and there back and forth. And mm-hmm. then someone rolls like a seven, eight, nine or something and hits a waiver number. And once you're wavered, you're usually buggered, especially if you haven't struck yet. Because you just go, you know, you go in, you get a bunch of damage, you get wavered, the other opponent gets to attack again without any crack back. Mm. And usually that that means you're done. It didn't happen in every instance, but yeah. Quite often it did. And the fact that Kane, he did get wavered a number of times, but then Fury just kicked in and he was able to strike back was really big. And his regen as well. Th- that was the number two, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He, he passed an absurd number of regen rolls. And, and that, that was good in general, but I think overall our dice spiked in favor of regen. It felt like a little bit more than perhaps it should have. And that, that benefited a couple of other characters too. Yeah, I think the spike that you mentioned just then is what turned a lot of the game. So you'd spike on just one round and all of a sudden you'd go from a competitive six, seven wounds down to two. And yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you're, you're just way ahead of the game. And uh, particularly when you got Fury as well, you could get out of danger as well with that regen. So that, I think mm. that's sort of what got Kane over the line. Mm. Mm. And just for any of the listeners who weren't sure, we are actually playing uh, like one-on-one games on UB. Um, I've, I just created mm. some arenas and some whatnots and uh, kind of tried to emulate a sort of arena fight. So UB dice maybe. Yeah, the arenas were pretty cool. We didn't always, because we're in fantasy land, like in pretend land or whatever, we didn't always describe the terrain like to perfection or whatever. But yeah. Benson made these really cool little like circular arenas with heaps of bits of terrain in them and stuff for our characters to avoid. And we each took control. We took turns of taking control of one of the characters and we were able to do whatever we want. There weren't rules around, 
you know, you have to just charge into the middle or whatever. So we could use terrain to our ex- advantage mm. and stuff. Mm. And we tried to incorporate it that at times into the commentary where relevant. And sometimes that made sense. And other times it was just kind of more anticlimactic than you, you'd hope for. But, you know, <laughs> you can't control these things because they were... Um, you know, they weren't fake. It was actually rolled and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so were the errors that we made. I think there was one round that I was using an elf, I think, at one point, And I, I tried to get a little bit of range and totally forgot about the movement. And I think Benson at the time charged me and just totally took me out of the game in like two rounds. Mm-hmm. And it would have just sounded like uh, the character that I was using just flopped miserably. But it was actually <laughs> me as the player more so than the character. <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, who knows if you would have saved it? Like the ranged t- yeah. attacks in general tended to be fairly weak. I found. I thought, yeah, except for- in the semi, five rounds though, five rounds pistols. Yeah, well, what I was going to say, well, she didn't do that much with her pistols, but she was definitely number two for me in terms of like um, I, my surprise factor of how mm. impressively she fought because. She's mm. good, man. Like, it just made me want to... I even wrote after our, uh, one of those rounds. I'm not sure if it was the second to last or the last one. But I actually went and wrote a, a list for the Salamanders with Firebrand and, like, a bunch of the Corsair kind of uh, <laughs> units and stuff. And it's actually a really cool list. And just thinking about the modeling possibilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, she's, she is a cool character. She's, she's very underrated because she's not, there's nothing Warhammer about her, if that makes sense. Like, she's very... Kings of War flavor. Sure, it's a lizard pirate, whatever else. But, I mean, it's a lizard pirate, man. <laughs> yeah, but not only that, all of the rules that uh, Firebrand has is very, very good at that situation. So it's got Crushing 2 with Duelist. Uh, it's got its own Elite as well. What else does it have? It's got uh, the pistols as well that are piercing one. So it just worked really, really well with its five attacks, I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. But she's not, like, on paper, she doesn't seem like, She's 100% a duelist character. Yes, she has a mm. uh, duelist, but she's not necessarily... You don't, like, take her to be a really good fighting character per se. She's She also does reasonable support as well. So she just strikes me as one of those kind of living legends that has probably been quite heavily overlooked, possibly because the units that she supports really well perhaps aren't as strong as some of the other options in the Salamander list. Those Corsairs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they're that kind of short-ranged attack like reasonably expensive short-range attack kind of unit, which is probably the the red-headed stepchild of Kings of War in some instances. Got no soul. But I think you could make it work, man. I actually think the unit is the unit is cool, and Firebrand makes me want to play Salamanders in a way that I'd never really thought that I would. Hmm. And for anyone who is interested, if you jump on UB and you um, search on the terrain maps... If you just put in Fight Club, you'll be able to bring up a couple of the arenas that I created. Yep, they do get better as the, or more epic as the uh, <laughs> as the fight goes on. Very cool. Okay, so with that down and done and dusted, I don't know what I'm going to do for this year. I haven't really thought about it. Uh, the next episode was our second and last armor review for the year: the Kingdoms of Men. That's right. Yes, the much much maligned Kingdoms of Men. They were uh, top voted, so. Although I think I put a typo on it, didn't I? So it was just Kingdom of Men. So Kingdom just the of one Men, yes, they've only got the one. Yep. Yeah, that was a bit awkward. But, uh, yeah. Oh, well. And I was still disappointed with the um, hero and like even the, the, even the background of, oh, yeah, it just still makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did put an extra like five minutes of editing onto the YouTube for Hero. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but I made it a nice fancy 
sort of uh, flamey effect, I think. Ooh. Mm, very stylish. I remember you putting lightning bolts and stuff on some of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the base human faction has a certain amount of appeal for a lot of people. Uh, I like, you know, it's kind of the common man versus the world of evil horrors out there and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And lots of the different companies out there that produce these kinds of games have, you know, the, the humans or some version of the humans as their kind of core army in the fluff and that kind of stuff. And it's not the case with Mantic, which is interesting. I think they've made the choice for some pretty sensible reasons around like, you know, heaps of other uh, companies out there produce a lot of historical human figures and they don't necessarily want to, you know, create their own range when there's so much competition. I suspect that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But they've just decided this is very much a an army that they're not interested in um, making one of their core armies. Basileans, I suppose, are their core human mm-hmm. army, but that seems seems to me that's more about the angels and the ogres. But uh, <laughs> the ogres now didn't used to be. But yeah. <laughs> angels, ogres, and knights and whatever else. But it's cool to still have this sort of common man army available, and they've said, you know, you can go and use whatever miniatures you want for this kind of army. So Kingdoms of Men, I think, has a special place for a lot of people, and I think it's still competent army mm. it's it might have slipped down in the rankings a little bit in my from my perspective since we first did it but it's still it's still up there you can make a great kingdoms of men army 100 percent, and make a lot of scary armies on the table yeah it's a decent army and i have to say a big pat on the back to us uh for recording that i think that was a monster episode <laughs> uh like three hours i think we sat down and recorded over three hours we recorded oh. it yeah, and we had to go back through and edit it all. Oof, that was a monster. The armor reviews often take a long time. Yeah, true that. But w- w- was that one particularly long? I can't remember. I, th- I think it it was pretty long. I know that the rat one was long as well. Um, but I think there's <laughs> like twenty six episodes. That's uh, twenty six episodes. Twenty six uh, units that we went through. So um, mm. I think that was a, a monster. Yeah, and I think there was a bit of indecision between the three of us about like. We all had different ways we would have sort of thought about taking the army and stuff, which kind of um, mm. made the which is good. discussion interesting, but yeah. uh, but sometimes long. Yeah, but that's that's all cool. Um, we should probably do another army review soon, actually. We should chuck a poll up. Yes. We should. Has there been a poll? We haven't uh, popped a poll up just yet. Okay. But we can do that for sure. Maybe we should. All right. All right. So with that armor review down, it, I think it was September when the second episode of the Kings of Fire Club was released. That's a long time between drinks of water. I apologise for anyone who was really anchoring for that second round. <laughs> but it's done. It was last year. Get over it. You got through And it. then we go to the Clash of Kings. That was on its way. Uh, I think we are starting to get a bit hyped with the, the book on the horizon. Mm-hmm. So we decided to rank the armies mm-hmm. from a uh, whatever tier system that you'd, we agreed on. <laughs> yeah, very sensible standard tier system that uh, didn't take much beforehand back and forth to decide on whatsoever. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Definitely did. I think we discussed what kind of tiers we wanted to use before. For about as long as the episode itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's yeah. open open this little uh, vortex up here because oh, no, what, what we're saying here <laughs> is that uh, Benson and I pretty much wanted to just do a stack ranking. Yeah. Um, just 1 to 26. Mm-hmm. Best or worst. And just straight up. And Hugh was trying to be a little bit more diplomatic because there's so many different builds. So he was just, all right, let's just go into more of a tier-based system that people have seen before. 
Um, so that's sort of where we went through with our complete Kings of War army power rankings episode. Yeah, I think it was fun to have it in that format and to have a... Uh, we, we Maybe we can work on that a bit more next time if we ever do that one again to give... We, we already... Mm. It is available, is what I'm trying to say. You can <laughs> jump in and, and um, make your own tier list from the tier list maker. It's just available online. It's like a free resource. Um, and you can take... You can look at our tier list and you can also adjust to make your own if you want to just for funsies and take a screenshot of it and send it through to us or someone else and say no this is this is right you you're wrong i'm right or whatever else uh and we'll probably not care too much but that's okay maybe we'll take your uh, feedback on board (laughs) but uh yeah some some more pictures and stuff for that will make it a little bit cleaner but in any case yeah do you guys think that it changed much with cock 2020 i think there's a little little changes and we did go through that uh yeah that was was the next episode the following episode yeah Mm, sort of and i I think we came to the agreement that there wasn't a huge amount of change i think your uh your point system there so like was is still a bit confusing to me now because there was half points and full points yeah Yeah, and it's a bit confusing yeah should have spent two hours discussing it ahead of the episode (laughs) as i was going through my 50th hour of editing that I looked at my fiance and I just said, why did I make them half points? Uh, And she just looked at me and said, I don't know, but it's too too far gone now. You have to keep going. It's too late. Yep. That's it. It was an absolute nightmare to put up that YouTube. uh, (laughs) And then there was also discussion as to the the pips. I remember the various pips, I think might have been for the armies. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. That was a lot of a lot of talk back and forth with that. Some of those uh, stats are quite hard to represent in that particular yeah. kind yeah. of a format. Yeah, because we'll you you want to make it consistent and you know, easy to understand and stuff, and it's not necessarily easy to do. But yeah, but yeah. That, however, we ended up with our um, slightly strange ups and down scaling system and whatever, which we which was loosely related to our tier list, but it, it was more like a completely different scaling system in and of itself. Mm. But but uh overall I think that it didn't change that much, right? Like we had some fairly small mm. changes, some some yeah, minor differences and stuff, but kind of the armies that were toward the top remained so and the armies that mm-hmm. were toward the bottom also remain so yeah yeah there was just some slight differences but whether it actually moved their tier um i I think largely it wasn't is exactly what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah um there was one other thing we did actually uh so back in august we did the sneaky tactics episode um which was like a a play youtube only wasn't it yeah it was a youtube only edition uh of brinton williams so he did an amazing article on dash 28 which i think also came out in 2020 Mm -hmm. and i just sort of redid that had a little bit of an interview and then put it all onto youtube as well so i'm pretty sure there was been a few comments from viewers about how helpful that's been to try and get them to understand a lot of these maneuvers yeah Yeah, that was really cool it helped me even and like i i i knew what all the maneuvers were ahead of listening to it and watching it again, and even I'd read the article. But I agreed with you. I thought the article was fantastic, and having it in that visual format that's quite easy to understand. If For those who haven't seen it, Selex made these little squares to represent the units and manoeuvred them around in line with the conversation and that kind of thing, so that it's quite uh, easy to follow how exactly those sort of edge case manoeuvres take place. Mm. It's probably a polite way of putting them. Some mm. of them would call yeah. them janky exploitation it depends and uh, i think it's definitely the, janky exploitation it depends on the on the move some of them are a bit more just 
totally legit, like using nimble to get around a unit or whatever. But uh, the, the line is a little blurry, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> but any, any, anyone that's played 20-plus games of Kings of War, especially if you want to go play in a tournament, I feel like that's just required viewing. If you, if you jump on that, it doesn't go for that long. You're guaranteed to pick up something that you, uh, uh, that you weren't aware of before or you know, that may or may not come up in one of your games and then you're equipped to work out what's going on. Yeah, that's right. It's only a 20-minute episode and it goes through, I think, 12 or 13 different things. Um, but it must be said that Brinton has done all the, the work beforehand. So he sort of sat it all down and it tried to explain it all for us um, on that article. I just sort of put it into a, a graphical form and just sharing it in another media format. Yeah, yeah. Brinton mm. did a good job of that. Now, we didn't um, really go over much of the Helpies Rift book, which the Clash of Kings details resided but since we've been part of the narrative event so like how have you found Helpies rift and its uh supplement with the extra magic items and channeling and whatnot yeah cool uh so the actual event i'm finding really really fun mm. just because i have no pressure to perform and i'm just slapping different units in and uh just seeing how it goes I haven't uh, just got sort of caught up with some life, so I haven't actually been doing the narrative element, which is actually a little bit sad for me. It was something that I really, really wanted to do, and it's something that I'm quite passionate in, that storytelling element. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know that you have been doing it, Benson. How's that been yes, going? Yes, I have. Uh, it's a lot more hours than I thought it would yeah. be. I kind of get stuck in the hole, and then each kind of submission takes maybe four or five hours to type up. Wow. Impressive. But I try to make it as good of a story without trying to... Well, it it has to kind of tell the tale of how the battle actually went on UB, but trying to weave that into an, a, a story without it being boring has been the challenge. Mm. I think I'm doing all right with it. That's really cool. Yeah, well, I it's, think. it's good reading. Good reading mm. for sure. Um, I think, getting back to your original question, though, um, I'm finding the units... Uh, sorry, the new units that are coming through, the new heroes, they're yep. all fine, actually. I've, I'm surprised at how balanced they are. Um, mm. So I'm not sure how much work the RC has actually put into those new uh, heroes, but they're they're really, really good, finding them a little bit fun, and there's a lot of flavor in them as well. Um, I know mm. that if you can go into that Helpies Rift book, the the flavor that they've given you and the, the backstories is great as well. Even though you do have a little bit of a gripe about Grup, don't you? And the lack of lightning. Yeah, it's just because she's a spellcaster and a whiz. And in the story, she casts spells. But in the game, she's just an assassin with blast. Mm. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just a bit of a disconnect there. That's all. Uh, I mean, I really like the character. but Yeah, yeah she's really cool. But if, if even the story was more like super short-ranged wizardry or something, it might make a little yeah. more sense. Yeah, I'm with you. She should probably at least have like Lightning 3 or something like that. But she's a good character on the tabletop. Mm. I've never played against her, but I've seen you play her a number of times and she seems really good. I think most of my games so far with Goblins has included Grup. I just don't want to leave behind i think she's really good (laughs) and i think the uh, magical items is another one Uh, i think they're pretty good i think there's a couple that sort of are a little bit broken in some armies Mm. so i think some armies you look at some of the items i'll pick on the staff of the forsaken because i think this is one that 
is amazing in an elf armory. Mm-hmm. But if you gave it to, say, a goblin wizard, it probably wouldn't be as good. And what does that do for people? So, so this is the one that allows you to cast three spells in any one phase, but it's just a negative one each time. So yep. your first one might hit on a four, your second one will hit on a five, your third one will hit on a six, but you can do it every single round. Now, in a wizard, uh, sorry, an elf wizard, that's hitting on fours, re-rolling ones. The second one's hitting on fives, Fires re-rolling ones. ones. Yeah. So it, it actually boosts its ability. And it, if you add in the three spells, the main spells it can sort of get, it's uh, like your lightning bolts, your heals, and your bane chance. So you can actually make a really stronger wizard um, where inside a, a goblin whiz, I don't think it's as effective. No. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I mean, it's pretty expensive to do that, I think. And uh, Yeah, 20 points, yeah. For a lot of spellcasters in the game, uh, and that's a reasonable example, when you've got Heal, Bane Chant, and Lightning Bolt is the other one? Yeah. Yep, yep. You're, always, you're probably almost always going to be able to Lightning Bolt unless you're like hiding from something or whatever. But usually, even if you're standing behind a unit, you can Lightning Bolt a big thing or something. But you, you're not always going to have a target to heal. You're not always going to have a target to bane chant, and sometimes in circumstances where you can bane chant and heal, maybe you can't lightning because you know uh, that's the spot you're in or whatever. So I think it's like it's not too bad. By the time you pay all the points for all those different spells, the the chance to maybe cast an extra one every now and again is mm. possibly mm. not that painful. And also considering that you have to still be in your front arc to see because you yeah, can't you can only turn between once. each yep. spell. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and it's that's a good point, Pivot. I didn't even think of that. But but also, like, it's one of those things that maybe when you see it in practice, it's a bit more scary than it seems on paper, I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, uh, so it, it is quite effective, um, but I think it's very situational, as you've sort of mentioned. Most hmm. of the other ones, though, there's a couple that are exclusive to, like, the, what are they, planes? Yeah. Yeah. So, and how have you found the planes, by the way, Benson? Uh, a bit hit and miss. I mean, I think it's really good for the stories that I'm writing, and it certainly uh, benefits, or some planes benefit some armies more than the others. And I've noticed I've kind of gone against the grain to what the plane is trying to push you towards. So the first one, the material plane, mm. if you're in a good army, then you can take certain uh, allied units, but they're not going to be allied. They're kind of like unique units. Uh, and then the second one, if you're evil, you can take some demons or whatever and then mm-hmm. so on and so forth but i've been doing the opposite so first one i've taken an evil army second i've taken a good army and then evil again so i haven't really noticed that bit but um mm-hmm. i've really enjoyed the planes i like the um the, ch- the challenges that they've thrown in and like the terrain that you have to consider and the channeling table as well that was that's been a big big thing as well i'll tell you what the biggest thing about the uh, channeling table is it's remembering it every single round yeah, it took a bit of practice that first game, trying to remind one another that we have to roll on the channeling table before we do anything. That's and right. And I've noticed I've been reminding my opponents because they just keep forgetting. Yeah, yeah, easy one to forget. Man, That mm. it looks so fun. I'd love to give it a go. I'm actually quite jealous that yeah. I haven't had the opportunity. Maybe well, it's on UB, so you wouldn't want to play it. So I yeah, think we should not, play it in person. Not so much that we haven't had Ooh. the opportunity, but especially since a narrative game, like I feel like UB it lends itself to competitive types of games because the only real advantage playing on UB apart from the fact that obviously you don't need to be with a person in person is that Mm. you can sort of measure everything millimeter perfect more or less. So like those kinds of things are helpful for a really competitive game. But I'd like to play this because I think that's the spirit of Halpy's Rift. I'd love to play it a bit more 
a casual, like we're both just taking, yeah. almost like trying to take the jankiest lists you can possibly <laughs> come up with, with just all kinds of weird stuff in it. And, um, you know, just playing it and having a laugh and letting your opponent do lots of backsies and that kind of fun, yeah, tabletop style of game, I think is where it's at. It feels like that's the spirit as in yeah. how it should be played. Yeah, and that, that release, like the release schedule for this, I have little doubt would have been arranged well ahead of COVID ever happening. So they had yeah. no way of knowing that that would be the case. But um, having not played any games, so take this with a massive bag of salt, but the one thing that I think I would have liked them to do a bit more on this one is I think they were a little bit soft in like I think the the rules which is a King's War thing in general I guess and they want like part of why I like it is because they are gentle with the rules as in yep. they try to keep it fairly balanced and like most of the magic items in here are 10 or 15 points and most of them do very little you know like mm. like uh, negligible amounts or whatever and yeah you you're, you're Characters are meant to accrue them over time and stuff, and so they can't necessarily be all powerful. But I can't help but think that if this was Warhammer, they'd be they'd just be all this broken stuff all the way through it. And some <laughs> and sometimes that's fine. Like if in a campaign where you're trying to create a cool storyline and you want really wacky, crazy stuff to happen because you're on this plane and someone's got this special amulet or wizard hat or whatever, then that can actually work quite well. And I don't want them to go like full fifth edition warhammer on it but i would like them i'd like to see i don't know having read through all the magic items and stuff i'm just like oh, i actually just i feel like i would just not bother to take most of this stuff like or i'd take it and just forget that i've even got it because the effect is so minor i would have liked uh. it to be just you know take the gloves off a little bit for these items which are not going to be tournament legal or legal for most standard games in any case uh. it's funny you say that because that is exactly what's happening in pretty much all of the, the games that i've had so far i've seen a couple of the special characters coming out or the new heroes mm -hmm. but unit wise and spell wise because each of the planes has different spells that you can take um, and pay for mm -hmm. um, most of the time people aren't taking them and it's i'm not sure whether it's because it's not uh not pointed correctly like it's not weighted correctly i think it probably is but it's just the fact that people it's unfamiliar to their play style their army isn't built to deal with that sort of thing so they, they just avoid it i think that's the main thing there it's just it's unfamiliar like i had plans with a couple of spells like uh, goblins taking the heal that has blast uh, mm -hmm. But my whiz just died because of the stupid scenario. So I had plans to be able to heal up my minces back to full every turn, but it just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And from an elf point of view, I wouldn't take any of the new spells because I'd lose my reroll to one on those ones. So yeah. it removes one of my strengths in, mm. in my mages. So Fair enough. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to, to play it with some some restrictions around the way you do it to make it a little bit more focused on the campaign like maybe you can't take magic items at all unless they're from the Halpies Rift book for example mm. um, I get they're all wizard focused but that's fine maybe like you know that's just what it's all about and not every heavy cavalry unit in Kings of War has the potion of the caterpillar or something I don't know just making little changes like that to make it more mm. focused around the actual campaign and like trying to take these magic items and do do take the spells maybe you can only take the spells from the thing like and maybe that mm. makes magic users weaker i don't know but you take your magic user anyway because you're playing help his rift you know like something like that mm. could be fun just how you're talking about trying to soup things up i'm really looking forward to the final round of the 
narrative campaign in the astral plane because just having reading through the rules it's it's a bit nuts so cool the key points are that with your heroes you can take two artifacts on them and if you have allies then they can take artifacts as well oh, yeah. does that change anything for you so being able to maybe re-roll ones and plus one to hit on a combat character is that going to be too souped up well no. i don't know like i mean i guess we'll find out I don't think so. I didn't know that was very much at all. Uh, generally, the more powerful thing to do is to not take an item. It might affect allies more because there might be some key units that perhaps really want an item that become more viable when you can give them one. For example, like if you're allying in a heavy cavalry unit and you've got a spare potion of the caterpillar up your sleeve because you're playing rack and you don't have any cavalry or something. But that's not really what I want out of Helpy's Rift mm. game anyway. So I, I don't don't know that I care that much about it. What what I'd use it to do is not so much to make super powerful characters, but to spice it up a bit. Maybe I take the Staff of the Forsaken and the Mask of the Corruptor or something. Even if, you know, like a couple of those items that they've got in the book to, to represent like the character accruing these magic items as they're battling through the, the Rift or something. You know, mm. that, that seems a little bit more interesting to me than your souped up character that can reroll one to hit can now... Also, yep. re-roll some wounds or whatever. I was just thinking, how about mm. putting like wings on one of them and also giving the dragon charge shield or something, trying to fly over and then kind of getting in their way. Oh, but they have to halt for that, don't they? That sounds kind of cool and also really useless. But <laughs> 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 something, uh, anything plus the crystal pendant, you got my vote. <laughs> Flying in crystal pendant, so you can't avoid it. <laughs> Flying in crystal pendant, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If only you could do that on a unit of uh, gob- a horde of goblins. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the uh, Helpies Rift episode. I think we've probably chatted more about that <laughs> than anything else. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do is we'll cut to our interview with Ronnie Renton. He jumped on and we had a bit of a chat about things and a bit of a game. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back in, I guess, in a moment. It's pre-recorded, but then we'll be back again after that. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> so sloppy. So smooth. <laughs> And we're back, and with us is a very special guest that we've had on the show before, Mr. Ronnie Renton. How are you going? We made it. We've made through 2020. <laughs> Just about <laughs> scraped through by our fingernails. Please, 2021, be better. So how are you, gentlemen? Yeah, we've been doing pretty well, considering. Lockdown kind of lifted um, a couple of months ago, yeah. I think, wasn't it, fellas? I've been out bush, so it doesn't feel too different to me yeah in in victoria we've had a very severe lockdown for about six months or so but then um you know where we weren't allowed out of our homes more or less that entire time but uh after all that we've managed to get virus numbers down to pretty much zero so we're very very lucky unlike most of the rest of the world so yeah. we're counting our lucky stars and getting to celebrate christmas normally and looking forward to new year at the time of recording mm. we're about uh two days before new year's so happy times so running a cold day in merry england today mate it is. I was a clear day. We had a little bit of snow yesterday and the day before. Some parts of the UK have got a couple of inches dusting of snow. Uh, but once the snow is gone, we're looking up to blue skies, frozen cars, scraping the ice off the car. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> interesting times. A little bit different from where you boys are, I'm sure. Indeed. Yeah, so it, but I think we had a 35-degree day the other day, and we've got barbecues planned tomorrow. So uh, oh, it's nice. going to be a tough life for us. <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah, we... terrible already. Really feel celebrating a friend's wedding as well so it's uh yeah it's happy times but uh while you've been bunkering down you know suffering in the freezing cold you know grim world of the uk 
I imagine uh, you've been cracking into a whole bunch of models and stuff because I'm seeing a lot of releases coming out of you guys. Yeah, I mean, we never, the studio never closed during lockdown at all. That just cranked on running all year. Um, partly, obviously, we had our Kickstarters that we were promised, so we were just getting on about delivering those. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it is one of those things that when you, well, while I feel we haven't been able, without the shows, to get out there and, and show our games off to new people, so I think recruitment has taken a backward step. Mm-hmm. We have had an awful lot more time when we're all available, and although it's a little bit harder to get everybody together, if you know what I mean, because it's just mm-hmm. difficult. We, we have you know, not done the travel, not done the other stuff. So the, the benefit is we've been able to knuckle down and really chunk through the studio stuff and um, and keep monstering on with that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. Yeah, we, we, we've got a lot of releases coming out. We also didn't do the summer campaign, mm. which normally would take up a big slug of, you know, one of the creative team's mind space and attention and effort. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of get that time back, if you like, Mm-hmm. So what's your thoughts on the current narrative campaign that's going that's supposed to be before the Mantic story campaign? Into the Rift, it's called. Oh, yes. So, I mean, that's, that's good fun. So that's, that's coordinated. One of our uh, rules committee guys is kind of involved in that. I think it's great fun. And I think anything at the moment that keeps people gaming or keeps them, you know, otherwise distracted is an entirely commendable activity. You know, not, not just... <laughs> Uh, yeah, just I think because people are, have been stuck in their houses for an awful long time. So mm. I think it's a little bit harder to get the kind of momentum going with the online game versus when we do the big summer campaign. Mm. Um, but we want to just keep, keep as many things, many of those plates spinning as we possibly could, while I think some of them are just not as good as they would be if you were able to do it live. Yep. So I think, you know, we're keeping some of the narrative going and some of that's going to spill into some of the releases next year, for sure. Yep, I also think it's a really good way of uniting everyone around the world that's dealing with exactly the same thing and being able to put them all into that one sort of environment and uh, still yeah. share that camaraderie and uh, friendship. I think it's pretty pretty healthy stuff. And yeah, and I think some of those big universal battles, which ended up being you know, the biggest ever tournaments, has really got the international banter going. I think there was a little mm-hmm. bit of UK, US because of the uh, starting to fly the UK guys over and some of the UK, US guys had, had flown themselves over. So that started and then it was building and then the, with the Oz angle was coming, some of the um, me coming over there last year and just getting that going. And, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this year, I think there's a whole load of people who have really started to connect internationally, which is just fantastic and I think will be a big thing going forward as we... As we get back to a more normal world. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, definitely. It'd be great next time we run a big summer campaign for everybody to be involved and it'll kind of roll around the world. All this will lead. Well, most of us haven't been able to meet up on tabletop and crack out a few games of Kings of War or whatever else. It's probably been the heyday for online Kings of War and people playing on other, you, you know, UB and other, other methods like that, Universal Battle. But um, while that's not really my cup of tea, I'm sure uh, people that, would otherwise not be able to get a game in and sort of kept that itch scratched and uh, been painting a whole bunch of models in their free time. Like, I think that's you know. exactly it. If you love the gaming angle, for mm-hmm. me, it's the painting, building terrain towards a game. The game mm-hmm. is the payoff and is the, is the kind of deadline. Yep. You know, there's a lot of people who love the game. And I think for them, it really does 
keep them in the space. You know, they need the game to enable them to paint the miniatures, try out different units and play it so that they can build their army so it's competitive. So. Well, and the other thing that's going to keep you in the game is releasing new beautiful models for the best race in Kings of War. So before dwarfs. we get on to anything else, no, 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 no. I haven't seen any new dwarf models lately. I'm talking Ratkin, of course. Look at these Ratkin. <laughs> Filthy, dirty rats. <laughs> yeah, but there's been, some, there's been some love for the Ratkin lately, like an incredible amount of Christmas. I thought when we saw Scud or Scudzaluk, whatever his name is, when we saw that bloke, I thought, man, this is awesome. I never expected to get a real live model for this one. And then um, a few weeks later, and all of a sudden, there's claw shots, there's a banner bearer, there's the new kit, there's all manner of different awesome stuff coming out for those guys. Mm. Yeah, no, we've got a big release set for those guys. So, um, I mean, we, you know, when, when we do plastic, it means we're taking something seriously. Mm-hmm. We never quite felt we'd got our goblin plastics right the first time we did those. The archers, the, the metals and the masters were lovely. But what we had in plastic just was not the standard we wanted it to be in terms of the detail and the crispness. But the new plastic Halpies Rift set got goblins and Ratkin in it, doesn't it? And they're both looking beautiful. Yeah. I think those goblins are, you know, we got a message from someone said, you know, when did you guys become the go-to best goblins on the market? But like our zombies are, I think those goblins are. I, don't, I think they're just loads of choice. There's loads of buildability. There's the right number of pieces per model, not too few, not too many. You know, and, and people who painted Goblin Army, so Rob Berman, who works for us, is, is on his third. He says, there's just no way. I'm not painting another Rob Goblin Hall. I'm just not doing it after three Goblin Halls later. And the Hadouken Goblin uh, Shaman uh, right. or yep. Magic user, that is just yeah. inspired. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, me and Ben yeah. have so already the- got that. My wife got it for my birthday, in fact, so we'll, uh, we'll be going halves in the Goblins and Ratkin. It's like you made that set just for us, so thanks for that. <laughs> so I think the Goblins got the love pre-Christmas. They was done a two-player set, yep. and they off they went. And then we followed that up. We're going to follow that up in the new year with uh, Ratkin. And suddenly this becomes a very, well, I think it's going to be bizarrely from like a standing start to nowhere and to one of the most complete armies in, in three months. You know, just a whole load of heap of stuff. Covers your Vanguard faction too. Got your plastics. And, um, you know, really at the races. And, you know, it's a lovely, lovely army. Got a real character to it. Yeah, the mutant rat fiend in particular is just a disturbing looking model. Yeah, the, the <laughs> belly mouth. Ooh. Yeah, one of the spikes on its back. It's disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, the big old mouth for its gut. <laughs> yeah, it's really got its own character now. So we're going to to build that out. I think there'll be a lot of people picking that army up. Yeah, I think so. And kind of hopefully bring it to tournaments next year. For all those people, myself included, in fact, it must be just about everyone who's playing Ratkin right now would have... A heap of the old games workshops, Skaven miniatures. And it's good to see that these new minis, while they'll still fit in with a lot of those models, they have their own sort of special aesthetic that's a little bit different. There's this kind of like almost like low-tech World War One kind of vibe to them. They've, they've got these gas masks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, probably the furthest race along the tech that we'll take. You know, mm-hmm. they've gone semi-steampunk, semi-World War One badly cobbled together kind of mm. stuff that magic pseudoscience yeah. yeah 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 exactly yeah um they're definitely the most progressed if you like we won't be going any more any further down that mm. road you could almost say the most intelligent and you know advanced race <laughs> in there well <laughs> i think dirty and disgusting and uh you know clearly not 
like brass and polished like a good dwarf would make it. I think we can all agree on that, yes? Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so uh, coming out, I think, Feb and March, big piles of, of lovely ratkin. Beautiful. Look forward to that. And also, of course, Armada has come out recently. Selleck's putting the kit and painting it up together. Now, next month in January, we are talking about the best race in the world. <laughs> getting some love so the dwarf fleet is being released you see oh that makes some good paperweights so <laughs> so uh, um so yeah so then um that's coming out and armada's been you know, a huge uh, splash hit <laughs> oh splash <laughs> yeah it came out we it nearly <laughs> killed everybody delivering it we i think were genuinely surprised at how well received it was it's just really sparked the imagination i think people had all been painting their old minis and their old collections all year and we're looking for something a little different mm-hmm. i think it hit the spot you know what i mean i think it just came out looked yeah. fresh the scale was totally unique yeah it seems like the right time for another fantasy ship game there's just not there's so few of them out there and the ones that do exist are mostly incredibly old now like an outdated Unsupported, in the yeah. kind of style of rule set it was time to just hit it and then you know, I think it's, it's called imagination. I think Kings of War players like it because it's expanding out the the world. I think boat gamers like it because they've not had anything new for fifteen years, ten years. Mm. You know, probably Uncharted Seas was the last thing, mm. and that was you know a long, long time ago. So everybody has had has kind of you know whichever angle you come in. I think even sci-fi players just you know reminisce about. Man of War from when they were young oh, and kind of jump into I'm it. the guy that still plays Man of War once in a while. Me and Benson played a game only about three months ago, believe yeah. it or not. Right. So, yeah, we're pretty keen to get this painted up. I think Selleck's working on it at the moment because um, you were kind enough to supply us with a box. Thank you very much for that. So, right. uh, Direct Misfire listeners can look forward to seeing some YouTube videos along the lines of some Armada in the not-too-distant future. Now, because of the uptake of Armada, is there going to be uh, more resources put into um, expanding the fleets or just going to go at your own pace? Yeah, absolutely. So well, there always was a plan that if we're going to do it, we do it properly. You know, we're not going to half do it. So we've actually got, as I said, the, the first game, that we, the first print run that we brought in sold out. You know, mm. uh, every, every copy we had and we had to allocate it. So they've all gone. We've got another wave of print coming in china and ports and covid permitting february so hopefully getting it packed and released at the end of feb so those that haven't got it will be able to get their hands on it then the initial launch was the orgs versus the basileans mm-hmm. and if you haven't read a book called pious i suggest you go and get it it's an absolute cracking read i think it's probably the best book we've done so far but you know you can't not read it and, and, and end up building a building a fleet and if you uh Go and read some of our Christmas blogs. We started on Christmas Day. One of those is, and it has been or is going to be, about uh, you know the books. And there's a twenty five percent off, and you can get it digitally right now. And uh, it's a cracking read. So that's worth picking up. That's orcs and Basileans. So you kind of got two different styles: your classic humans versus your crunchy, getting close orcs. Then, of course, next month, I said January, the best fleet of all, the dwarves come out. Mm-hmm. Hurrah, huzzah, <laughs> uh, which are slow, heavily armoured and heavily gunned. And then you've got the Empire of Dust, which is great fun, coming out in March, which is going to be the dry undead. So think Egyptian-style undead, which we've, which we've got an army out for. It's the plastic metal conversion stuff, but hasn't really had a, a proper kind of what's 
the romantic take on it. Mm. Mm. Uh, and it's definitely had that now. So very magic-y, lots of rowing and oars and stuff like that. So yeah, terrific. Yeah, so that's the, and, and then they're already sculpting more fleets and they're being sculpted, being laid out. The elves are very heavily water-based. And so they're um, they're getting a, a fleet, and um, yeah, so it's going to get support throughout the year. There'll be new fleets and new new things happening for it. We've got super big ships coming out for the four big fleets, uh, for the you know the first four fleets as well. There may well be a little book in the summer, adding another few options in there. So whole year, I think there's going to be lots of Armada, and we've got a lot of interest for it. People are keen to to play it. So as soon as you get that two player set back in stock, and I think you know like yourself, yourselves, I'm going to be doing game reviews for either that game or a 20-year-old game. I, I didn't quite understand <laughs> which. <laughs> 30 almost. <laughs> yeah, so uh, for all those uh, with their finger on the pulse of that useless old game, no, we'll, we'll be looking forward to getting our teeth set into Amada properly. Yeah. We just want yep. Selleck to paint the models up beautifully, so probably we, you know, we might need another set. We might need to go buy another set so that we can actually make that happen. Because otherwise we might be waiting until our hair falls out. (laughs) That's already happened to me. But uh, I think what we're going to do is we'll get Benson to paint it as the resident expert painter in our midst. And he's also somebody Mm -hmm. that can actually paint up models in in under 12 months time. So uh, probably best to get him to do it. However, I've been interstate so i uh, haven't been able to handball it on to him just yet mm, a likely story yeah he's been he's been coveting the toys i suspect that's it uh, <laughs> that's... but it nicely actually you know you, you can get stuck in i was waiting for the dwarf but because we were so busy we literally didn't have time to master them so i got two and then got bored waiting and raided the um the cast miscast bucket <laughs> and picked myself up a basilean fleet and then did it in the kind of uh, uh, as if it's after the battle because everything's on base sizes, of course, you can, you know, the, the bases are there. So if you don't have your masters in exactly perfect working order, it doesn't matter. So yeah. I, I, I did it all smashed up and damaged and everything. And it was, it was really great fun. Really just a different hobby experience, you know, same hobby, still painting soldiers, but, you know, not picking out belt buckles and, and chainmail armor for a change. Instead, sails and cannons and bits mm. and bobs. So it was, it was good fun. And, uh, you, you know, if you, you just get stuck into it, it's a, it is a nice uh, alternative hobby. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't painted that scale for a long time either. It's nice painting a different scale. gives it gives you feeling a bit refreshed from doing the same old thing, as you say. Mm. Exactly that. Exactly that. So the, it gives you some challenges while while using the core skills. So you know, how do I paint these sails? You know, it's bigger pieces of cloth than we're used to painting. Um, and we knew the scale was good because we kind of picked the basic rules up off the Black Seas rules from Warlord. And then, um, but actually, we then heroized everything <laughs> they, they were limited by the fact it had to uh, be historically accurate or close to and you know <laughs> frigates had to have three sails and all that stuff <laughs> well balls to that we just made it all up because it's fantasy don't you know so uh you know we actually making it in resin rather than plastic it, it all just grew a little but i think is all the better for it in terms of just looking great on the gaming table and being a pleasure to paint Hmm. Well, it's always good when you can make the excuse magic something something and just move on from there. And uh, that's part of Every the reason time. we love the game. How would that sail? Magic. How <laughs> would that float? Magic. Always magic. Magic. <laughs> so, uh, it's not my fault if you don't understand magic. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a you problem. Now, Ronnie, audiobooks. I haven't really heard much about more of the Panathoral Mantic audiobook library because I'd recently listened to the Steps of Deliverance and 
really enjoyed it and I can't find any more. Is there any more audiobooks being uh, copied over to that platform? Yeah. So we work with a company called Wing Hussar. Um, Vince um, and Brandon are very seasoned guys. We're, we're um, at a uh, dark book repository for quite some time, 10 or 15 years. Mm. And just know their way around. They approached me a couple of years ago and said, you know, we'd like to do some book set in Kings of War and, and all your worlds. And we said, yep, lovely. Uh, having known them and known that they write great stuff. They've got some great writers working for them. And then, of course, with, a, with books, it just takes a little time for the momentum to build up. Because from the day you say yes, you've then got to find the right authors. Mm. You've got to write it. It's got to be edited. It's got to be laid out. It's got to be announced at least. And mm. So you're starting, I'll see, from next year onwards, books getting dropped. And I think, you know, they've, they've found the, the right guys to write for them and edit. And Matt Gilbert, who's our kind of Kings of War overlord, is working with them so that their storylines fit in with our storylines, their releases fit in with our release schedule. Mm -hmm. So that just as Armada hits, there's the Armada book. Um, I do know they've got plans to get more audio books, yep. but I think their core skills are in print publishing. And so, again, that will probably just take them a little bit of time to, to, to get up to speed. But, yeah, I'm all keen on them. Okay. And, um, and I'd much rather audio, audio book than uh, read because, you know, I have to still build the letters up on most of the words. <laughs> now, we assume that uh, most podcast listeners are on, on board with that, given that they're listening to this podcast right now. You know, it's, the, it's very much in the wheelhouse of audiobook listeners <laughs> yes. as well. And you're out doing well, the exactly. and, and you can pay to listen at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, drive your car or paint your models while you're doing it. Which is, yeah, super convenient. Yeah, quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's the business chat out of the way. How about we have a bit of fun, Selick? Uh, I'm pretty sure Hugh and Ronnie aren't going to enjoy this, but it'll be fun for us. I think we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Humiliation awaits. It's the start of the year, so let's kick things off with a game show. Okay. Right, I'm doing some reps right now with the Kings of War rulebook. I'm just doing a few bicep curls, a few squats. <laughs> so this game is called New Phone Hoodius. And basically, we have both yourself, Hugh, and Ronnie. Uh, you've got a phone. You received a text from an unknown number. And they're not going to tell you who they are straight away. They're going to be jerks and slowly give you clues. And you have to try and guess who it is. These are heroes and units from Kings of War. <laughs> if it's not a dwarf, I don't know it. <laughs> there will be a couple of dwarves. We'll see if you know them as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm hoping they're all ratkin since they're advanced enough to have magic mobile phones. So I'm assuming these are mostly ratkin questions. So I'll be all right. Mm, yes. Now, the rules are pretty simple. You'll get three guesses each. You can jump in at any time. Once you've had one guess, you have to wait until your opponent guesses before you can make another. And that's it. Okay. So I'll start off with the first one. So you can read the second one. Okay. So the first unit. Here's the first clue. This unit is a conundrum in that its name, background, and rules do not represent one another. It has reached meme status among our listeners. Hmm. Though it has poor nerve and a doomed destiny, we still love it. Oh, oh, oh. 
I gotta clip. I gotta guess. It's part of the Kingdoms of Men army list. Oh, oh well, Kings of Men. Who cares about that? It's hero. I'm gonna go off piece to pick non-mantic armies. I'm not gonna know that. I'm, I'm checking out. I'm out of here. That's me. Yep. It's it's hero. Who <laughs> this? It's hero. You you've got one. I better uh, right. mark that down. <laughs> okay. So the next person who's trying to get in contact, Selick, take it away. Alrighty, uh, so we've got Hugh up by one here going into it. So we've just had a text message come through, and the first clue is appears in all three editions of Kings of War. Ironclads. Oh, no, it's not Ironclads. <laughs> <laughs> Has received numerous stat adjustments throughout the updates. Grunt Riders. Nope. <laughs> oh, crumbs, I'm, I'm cheating because he... he's not going to go yet. That's a good guess, though. He is without face. Oh, it's uh, Morgoth. Morgoth. Tie. What a tie. <laughs> tie. Are you, you're claiming right. delay, yes. overseas delay there. Yeah, <laughs> I answered it five tie. minutes ago. My actual first answer was Morgoth. Yep, yep that makes sense. All right, so that's a draw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. But it's true, it is uh, Morgoth the Faithless. Faithless? No, Faceless. Oh. There we go. He's probably without face as well. Okay, the next text message comes through. He appears in the Edge of the Abyss supplement. Ooh. He is often taken in-game along with a unique monster. Uh. He reappears in Helpy's Rift along with the same unique monster. It's not the goblin and... Uh... No, is it? Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> the special rule Bound Soul was first attached to the hero, but now it's attached to the unique monster. Is it Abyssal Dwarf guy? Um flamey beard face what's he ex- and he's got his rock friend it's not flamey beard face one of his keywords is hellforged mm. I think you definitely wrote. his first and last name both start with d who this <sighs> we're gonna have to help out Hugh because that is actually beardy flamey mcface yeah it's, it's not his name though um Derek Nope, Dravak Dolkin. No. Ah, there we are. And his old mate, Infernal. Uh, you, you can have half a point for that. Given anything for that. Derek? It sounds like a guy <laughs> down the pub. Derek? How much longer is this torture going to go on? We're embarrassing ourselves. Here. We have 13 more. <laughs> 14? <laughs> long. 13 more? <laughs> You're joking. No. Can, can you hear that? Can you hear me? I think I'm going to a bad area. Bad signal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like you got the next one. Uh, right. Control to Major Tom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one's coming through. Text message once again. First appeared in a playable Kings of War hero, Destiny of Kings. Okay. He is the antagonist of base game of Dungeon Saga. His image yeah. features on the cover of Destiny of Kings. <sighs> is that Barbarian Guy? What's his name? Nope. No, I nope. think it's the necromancer, isn't it? Is it the necromancer? Oh, it, it is. What's his name? Yeah. What's he is the necromancer. Uh, that is the next yeah. text message. Ah, we'll just say, look, I don't talk to necromancers. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want whatever you're selling. I would never be associated. Be gone with you. <laughs> the first name starts with M. Mm. Yeah, and it's not. Not it's more goth, but not more goth. More dread, more Ghana. Um, Morgana. Mausoleum. Mark. Um, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Matt. Matt Wilbert. Matt. No, that's Fury. enough. 
No one gets it. Okay. Mordred. No, it's Mordred. The Mordred. Mordred. That's what I said. Right on the tip of my also tongue. Also known as Matt. Matt the Necromancer. I might. I might Very actually close. give Ronnie half a point for that one. <laughs> Morty. You're getting close. Mark was almost there. Um, okay, so the next one. <laughs> infinite monkeys and infinite typewriters. I think. <laughs> Gone through every word beginning with M. Is that how you come up with all the names for these mantic characters? <laughs> all right, the next one first appears in the Clash of Kings 2019 book as a large infantry hero. Okay. Uh, then it's being folded into the army proper in the third edition of Uncharted Empire's book, and it retains the exact same stats with a big point decrease and changes from large infantry to large cav. So it makes a bit of a transformation there. One of its keywords is tech. Its name is also the name of a sleep disorder. Is it Night Terror? Hey, you got Ooh, one. He's got it's it. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's a rat. It's the, it's one of the only Ratkin models I never use because um, <laughs> it didn't have a model yet. But it's soon to get one in the new uh, in the new. Soon to get one. Watch that Ratkin space. All right. New text message coming in. New person to uh, try and figure out here. First appears as a hero in Helpy's Rift supplement. So pretty fresh, pretty new. Yep. Twitch Keen here. He... Nope. <laughs> nope. Yes. He is unique Mythicum Aquamage. He has the keyword Cephalopod. The special oh. rule, which also forms part of its name, gives him vicious for melee only and doubles attacks versus large cav and big beasties. That's oh. Ronnie's guess, but is that big trident guy? This is the kicker. This is the kicker. His name is easy to pronounce if you try and imitate Sean Connery's accent. <laughs> His name starts with K. They're not going to get it. <laughs> Who dis? They're not going to get it? This is too hard. <laughs> Shall I tell you about the salamanders that are coming out? We've got some lovely models coming out. <laughs> <laughs> We've no, done a really kind of realistic vibe with them. Do you know what uh, Do you know what any of the names of them are, Ronnie? No. No. <laughs> nice, nice models, and they're quite pretty. Um, they're lizards. There's lots more fire. Lots more salamandery, fiery kind of stuff, which I think is very appropriate. They're called non-dwarves. Well, there you go, Benson. You said it was impossible for me to win, but surely my surely my lead is insurmountable by now. No, got, we got three left. I think it is. I've got a half point lead, and uh, you know I might have to concede gratefully at this point. Concede gracefully, <laughs> gratefully, gracefully. <laughs> so that was Kai so Rock. That's right. You might get the next one though. Oh, cross! There's more. Yeah, only a couple more. Push through it. Oh, no, humiliation has not been enough so far. Uh, <laughs> The only one I've known is a 10-year-old figure. All right. Now, listen carefully, Ronnie. You might get it. So this unit was trained to withstand enemy cavalry charges armed with long spears and thick armor. Four walkers. Hey, there you go. Straight up. Boom. (laughs) Get it. In the lead. I didn't think you'd actually get that one, but (laughs) there you go. First line. All right, we'll try and we'll try and punch through this. Because interestingly, that was a unit that I really didn't want to paint. You know, when I was doing my dwarf farm, and I was thinking, oh, you know, um, just you know, which way is it going to go together? And the, the metal plastic hybrid. And actually, when I finished it, it was by far my favourite unit because I just modelled it all. I'd loads of spears leaning over, and there was because it was like a hybrid kit. It added bits of old stuff. It's one of those things, isn't it? The, the unit you hate. Very ends up your favourite. There's a certain mm. appeal to a phalanx unit too. They look like they've got that 
spear prickly box formation kind of thing going on. It's a very, very cool aesthetic. Yeah, and they've got those shields out the front, and I've got some up on the... I was getting a bit more adventure with my bases by this point. So, and as always the way, the unit you look forward to painting, you always balls up, and it looks like a dog's dinner when you finish. You think, well, I'm disappointed <laughs> with that. I'm really glad that you guys chose to adjust them to movement two and help his rift. I thought that was a good move. All right, we're nearly there. We're on the second last... Who this now? Okay, second last one. All right. The second last one here is the unit is considered expendable and has no special rules. Goblin. They, they cannot be taken as troops or regiments. Oh, it's uh, wretches. Wretches. Hey. Hugh's got it. Brings it back. Uh, Last uh, one. I call fix match fixing here. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's only fair after the dwarf question, right? I hope this isn't a dwarf question. <laughs> All right, last one. Okay. This unit first appears in the 2018 Clash of Kings book. It is incredibly resilient, very inspiring, and has a high price tag in the the mm. game, not the actual model. Uh, in third edition, this unit was relegated to a unique upgrade option for a monster unit. Mantic produces a resin model of this unit, which resembles a mechanical ram. Steel Behemoth? Oh. Yep, we're almost there. Uh, Do you have the uh, fancy name for it? Close. What's the special Steel Behemoth called? Um, I don't know what this his unit name is. name starts with the letter G. Okay. G-Wagon. Oh. Um, <laughs> <is it a laughs> G-Wagon. <laughs> Missed opportunity. That's what it could have been called. It could have been. And then we got Mercedes lawyers swimming us to death. Uh, <laughs> is it Gullroth or something? Almost. Gullrag. Gullox Revenge, isn't it? It's the upgrade. That's the one you're after. It's the Steel Behemoth's upgrade. Is it Gullox Revenge? Sounds like oh. what you're going to get after Curry. Gullox Fury. That's close enough. Gullox Fury. Legendary Steel Behemoth. You're going to give that to him? All right. Consolation prize. Fair enough. You can send him with <laughs> send him packing with without an embarrassingly low score. <laughs> well done, you survived. All right, now let's count up these these points. I think it's uh, Hughes up by 0.5. Oh. Oh. Yeah. He never didn't have it. <laughs> well done, Hugh. Thank you, Ronnie. I think it's fair to say that either of us would have lost against almost anyone else. So. <laughs> 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 Battle of the Lightweights, I think, is a, is a fair, fair um, reading of the situation. <laughs> well, thanks for humouring me anyway, <laughs> as painful as it was. <laughs> thanks, Spencer, That's for humiliating both uh, of us. Spencer, in terms of our <laughs> reputations, Hugh, you'll never recover. Yeah. I'll edit in some <laughs> correct answers in there for both of us, and then we'll look fine. Mm. No. <laughs> 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 All right, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, Ronnie, for taking the time out to play this stupid game and having a bit of a chat. And hopefully we get a better year than the one that's just passed. Yeah, fingers crossed, guys. I think it'd be great to uh, to get the gaming going back on and get the tournaments and um, get out to shows. You know, we kind of started that with uh, you know, the Aussie show last year and, and it was really going to be a fantastic year, I think, for Kings and War last year with the new edition out and big crowds we've been up to the american masters which was just an awesome event mm -hmm. you know so by jan and feb we'd been to oz we'd been to the us and so much more was was coming down the line and then you know it all got derailed didn't it but mm. hopefully we could pick up from where we were we've got armada releases we've got lots of kings of war releases and other funky and fun stuff throughout the year so fingers crossed 2021's 
when we get it back on track and get back gaming and get back having some beers as well. No, that's it. Absolutely. In the long term, hopefully we'll see each other on the table again. Not too yeah, distant future. But in the short term, have a lovely day in the country with the family as well, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers, everyone. Look after yourselves. Have a great 2021. Okay. That was Ronnie. Thanks again for jumping on and taking some time out of your schedule. He sounded like there was a bit of going on in the background there. Mm. Um, and I apologize to the listeners about the audio quality. We had a couple of issues with how we normally do things. So we had to kind of jury rig the um, and a second laptop and whatnot. But anyway, yeah. that's as good as we can and do. And Ronnie was on his on his mobile phone in the in the car most of the time. He wasn't driving, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> on, on, on the phone, uh, you know, over from England, of course. So... That's a uh, bit of a gap and you're going to have some lower sound mm. quality because of that. But he was a very good sport, I thought, especially given mm, um, your very intense attempts to embarrass him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried. I mean, I thought you would do both do terribly, but you didn't do as bad as I thought. Good job. I was really surprised with how fast he picked up the name of the Bullwalkers just by reading one line of the background. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. I stole my thunder there. He knows his dwarfs. He was keen on the on the Bullwalkers. Obviously, he made a regiment of them at some point in the past. They're uh, yeah, they're <laughs> a cool unit. Studied every word. Yeah. <laughs> I think I also um, took that from a previous book as well. So it wasn't even the latest one. Yeah, he's got that shit memorized. <laughs> All right, that is last year done. Twenty twenty over. Time for the sequel. Twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, indeed. Uh, what are our uh, hopes and dreams of this year? COVID aside and lockdowns being lifted. Yeah, I think that's a pretty long bow to draw in the first place. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think we can really make a lot of high hope assumptions at risk of sounding like a real Debbie Downer. Um, but it, I do think it's a bit of a bummer that everyone's sort of saying, oh, all the bad bad stuff is behind us. We're all good now. Like, uh, that's, that's, mm. that isn't the case. Uh, and I think it probably undermines the situation a lot of people in to say that. So we, we certainly don't feel that that way but um with that acknowledgement out the way i guess i think uh, i'm looking forward to playing a, mo- a lot more in person uh with kings of war mm-hmm. i'm definitely keen to take a more narrative bent for a while as well um for mm-hmm. when we play on wednesday nights and stuff and if if i if i dare say it in a non-kings of war related update i'm looking forward to playing a bunch of blood bowl too yes yeah, looking forward to that league. The second season of the rules have... Well, they say second season. It's like the next edition of the rules have dropped. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of scrubbed over them. And we're about to start a league at the end of January. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that like all of us... Um, well, me and Benson at least play a lot of other games other than Kings of yeah. War. Uh, far too many, in fact. It's very hard yeah. to stay focused on any one thing. <laughs> and that's just one of them. That's one we've played off and on over the years. And it's a personal favorite of mine, Blood Bowl. Mm. So looking forward to getting amongst that a bit. From, But from a Kings of War perspective, I'm looking forward to playing uh, the next Clash of Kings uh, most immediately in January. Mm. Uh, so you haven't settled on a list yet, but you've got um, some some ideas in the works. Yeah, I've only played one game really in the last six months or more because I haven't been playing online. And uh, I played Yan recently, um, my man Yan. Mm-hmm. Had a good game. Yan the man? I was really rusty. I made some pretty dumb mistakes. Less, like more around forgetting some 
rules that are really basic and stuff. And it made me realize, man, I really need to play a couple of games <laughs> prior to the event just so that I don't utterly embarrass myself, like forget getting a high result, but just don't forget things like I did against Yan that like, oh yeah, you get triple attacks against War Machine and stuff like that, <laughs> like just basics. So um, Pretty important stuff. Yeah. Do, do need to shake some of that off. And yeah, I'll, I'll play around with a list of... It depends how much uh, new miniatures I'll have available, but probably for this event, I'll take something pretty stock standard. Mm-hmm. But next event, yeah, watch out for the uh, double big rat beastie and a couple of little fat rat woman friends, uh, brood mothers and <laughs> stuff like that. That'll be cool. Are you getting in on any of the new rats? Yeah, all of them, um, of course. <laughs> so good. Uh, I, I don't know about the new rat machine... Um, the uh, Ooh, death, death engine. engine that doesn't comp- super float my boat, so I may or may not end up picking that one up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll definitely pick up all the others. Uh, Benson and I already have a box, courtesy of my wife, bought for my birthday, coming in the mail for uh, the the new starter set, which has half ratkin and half gobos. So, mm-hmm. so really nice. looking forward to that one. Um, but I'll definitely be picking up the uh, the rat fiend, the mutant rat fiend, which is gorgeous, and the new scud. Even though I've already got a scud, uh, a proxy scud, of course, because there wasn't a real model, I, I really like that new model, so I'll pick him up. And mm. there's a bunch yeah. of there's a few things for uh, Vanguard for Ratkin as well. Anyway, yeah, I, I really like all the new models. Some of we talked about it a little bit with Ronnie, so the listeners mm. have already probably heard it. But yeah, definitely keen to pick mm. up all that stuff. Mm. Yep, and for me, Vanguard, pretty keen to uh, play that in 2021. See how that mm-hmm. can go, and see if we can. Even just on a Wednesday night to sort of figure out some sort of little campaign together so where we can have one game impacting the other. I think that'll be pretty fun. Yeah, right on. I'm, yeah. I'm keen for that. I like Vanguard a lot. I've got the, the rules. Yep. We've played a, only a couple of games, but um, yeah, I'll play again. It's cool. Need to get some painted stuff for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll be part of my uh, my goal for this year coming. Get that done. There's, you don't need a whole lot, so it shouldn't take too long. I feel like aesthetically it, look, it would look better on round bases, and there's no reason why you couldn't play it on round bases, but maybe that's uh, controversial, I'm not sure. Ooh, that is controversial. Yeah, I think it's the interactions with combat and whatnot, but anyway. Mm. Uh, we also got Armada. Uh, we yes. were supplied a uh, box set from Mantic. Thank you very much for that. And I've got them here. I'm just um, in the process of cleaning and assembling before we can get a game in. Yeah, definitely want to play some Armada. I've got a water table. I want to get some more terrain for that. Mm-hmm. And if Armada is as fun as I hope it will be, then... I'll definitely do that. In fact, I'll probably do it anyway because we're also All in. Yeah. picking up some, so dusting off some old dystopian wars figures to play that with Spoon, which is also a ship-based game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about the ships. That'll be great fun to play. Uh, ben May will get on board with that as well. My brother-in-law, he loves his ship-based games uh, and his Blood Bowl, so he might become a bit more part of the scene in mm-hmm. 2021 with us, us, us lads. So, so we just got to get him into Kings of War now. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that might be a long bow to draw because he takes, you know, he's a bit like me. He takes twelve months to paint oh, a blood bowl. He's team. so slow. Except but, that he'll actually repaint the same model because he's not happy with it. Three yeah, or four yeah times. exactly. Go over and over. <laughs> Different to me, but yeah, but still slow. Yeah. Um, and talk Salik into playing some some boats and whatever else he wants to play. Yeah. Oh yes, I'll be playing Amada. Don't don't you worry about that. And we have actually had a few people ask me, are we going to be covering Amada on? On uh, direct misfire, yes, we will be. Sure, yeah, to, to some extent at least. Um, we'll, <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll be doing a little, you know, review of it, I guess, and talk through how it works and that kind of stuff. 
Um, that's my expectation at this stage. If we love the game and play it a lot, then we'll talk about it a lot more. I don't see why not. That'll be episodes about that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. I think we'll leave it there. Uh, but before we go, <laughs> I have... Um, I mean, it, it might be hard to believe, but we're not the most uh, professional <laughs> of casters. <laughs> So, over the last year, we've taken our guffs and missteps and bloopers and whatnot, and I've smashed them together into a, a palatable bite-sized chunk, so you can hear all our failings and embarrassments. <laughs> all the ones we're willing to share, anyway. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Because there were many, so I had to pick the choice ones. Awesome. So, get ready for that uh, after the, we sign off. So, that's it. 2020 done and dusted. Looking forward to next year. I think we're quite optimistic. Hopefully, it doesn't stuff up like it did last year. I guess that's all we can do is just hope. But otherwise, hopefully, everyone's being able to stay safe and um, got through Christmas and the New Year period intact. Yep. And uh, thanks for everyone to continue to listen to us. Yeah. Yep. Hope you're hoping all you guys, all you kings of warers out there are... Happy, wealthy, and wise, and you have an awesome 2021. Happy New Year. Yep. Thanks for supporting us all, guys. We, it really, we really appreciate it. Thanks. So if it wasn't for you guys listening, we wouldn't bother. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not paid. I think the definition, when you said we're That's not that right. professional before, I think the definition of being a professional <laughs> is if you get paid. So <laughs> we're definitely I mean, not I professional, try, amateur as they come. I try and focus on quality, but even then, like we can try real hard and it still doesn't shine. <laughs> That's it. We're like amateur golfers. We do our best, but we're yeah, mostly there just for the walking around and having a crack. Yeah. All right, thanks again, everyone, and we'll speak to you soon. See you, guys. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to open a can, two seconds. Good clock. Ooh, that's a good sound. It's mm. mm. almost yeah, as good, good as a bottle. Bottle of port. I have a, a bit of a rough plan here. I've got my two Revenant regiments and Soul Reaver. Stop shaking at the table. You gotta laugh. Sorry, I can just think take of your, avocado. Take laugh into the mic like a gentleman. <laughs> and off the table, please. <laughs> Before we go any further, though, Graham, and by Graham I mean uh, Benson. Where did you get Where Graham? Is Graham? What? Too much Graham Norton. <laughs> okay, let me try that again. There's still garbage against night runner kin. What are they called? Night stalkers. A lot of contestants coming in, and uh, even some world-renowned uh, that are coming in. So I have said coming in way too much. I'm going to read. He's earned that name from, uh, well, fighting, believe it or not, not the other thing that it could mean. You lost me there. <laughs> what? <laughs> i said that again. My cogs were turning, and I was thinking, where's the joke? <laughs> I can't so see it. <laughs> yes, so she's not all bad. <laughs> All right, that, that, well... That was a dumb line. <laughs> <laughs> Not all bad. I'm a cut you is one sneaky dark elf assassin, and I'm pretty sure the name says it all there. Well, I'm going to have to correct you there, because uh, the dark elves were actually uh, eliminated there, and it's actually a Twilight kin now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll restart that bad boy. Go get yourself a salsa, because this is not going to be working out well for Dante. They say Namates likes his chili, but this is too spicy for anyone, so like <laughs> Oh my god.
Francois, my boy, will be continuing on to battle. I just hope that he knows where his friends are up here in the commentary booth because this glass of port is starting to taste suspiciously like paint. (laughs) 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 That's not even untrue. Cow Army Power Rankings. Which is the most powerful cow? The black and white spotted one or the brown cow? But I've got the... Oh, I struggle with these names. Abyssal... What are they called? God damn it. The, uh, the guys with the blunderbusses. You know you've made it in life when you're sitting doing a podcast and just after 12 o'clock your wife rolls in and hands you a beer and she says, It's 12 o'clock. It's time for a beer. <laughs> oh. That's perfection. I wish I had your wife. Yeah. My, wish, wish we all had <laughs> okay uh, I'm cutting that bit out <laughs> that's not cool <laughs> what are the Ishabdi called uh, enslaved guardians the enslaved guardians the slave guardians the monolith is it what's that called oh it is a monolith okay <laughs> I was thinking necrons when I said monolith but she is packing some serious heat with those pistols and she does know how to lose them uh, and by l- <laughs> She's very forgetful. It's deep booming. Yes, it's very clearly audible now as crack, crack, crack. Kane's head has come back into its more straight. What's the word? It, it's come. <laughs> I'm struggling so much. All right. Next week, who's your favourite? Get your bets in now. It's going to be a banger. Banger. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a slobber knocker. <laughs> oh. Listen, you you don't have a problem with names until you've stood at the front of a room doing the best man speech oh, and ask everybody to toast. Giles and Kath. Uh. <laughs> Unfortunately, Giles was marrying a girl called Paula at the oh, time. No. <laughs> so, uh, oh. so, you know, and the next question, the answer is yes, she was his ex-girlfriend. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, when it comes to names, I'm kind of a legend. <laughs> status. That is the king of all faux pas. Well done. And, <laughs> and can we put that on the podcast? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in with my team. Make sure you follow on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed, more than a game. It's a lifestyle. Yes, sir. Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work. <laughs> we give the people. What they desire, Australian war gaming podcast, direct misfire. You don't want to miss a thing, yeah. We got plenty more. If you're ready, let's go. Stay tuned, that's for sure. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, make it end. <laughs>